I'd like to welcome you to your time of Bible study this evening, and I want to thank each one that's tuned in, and I trust that as we look at God's Word and the subject that the Lord has laid upon my heart to bring before you tonight, that it will be a blessing to your heart, and it will draw us ever closer to the Lord who loved us and gave himself for us. If you could turn, please, in the living Word of God to the Gospel of Matthew and the chapter 6. The Gospel of Matthew and the chapter 6. And while you're turning to the place, while this is not the normal meeting, whenever it comes to having a season of prayer afterwards, yet I would encourage you that if it is at all possible that you would take some time after the time of Bible study is finished and that you will have a season of prayer with the Lord. And if it's not possible um, today, as you listen, and maybe then another day in the week, to set aside time to pray for the Lord to be exalted, his will to be done, and his kingdom to come in your heart and life more and more in the lives of those that are lost around us. I, we certainly need to pray in these days. Matthew chapter 6, we will commence reading at verse 5, and it is in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, whenever Jesus Christ is preaching. And in verse 5, Jesus Christ says, And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy father which is in secret, and thy father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. But when ye pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask him. After this manner, therefore, pray ye, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. We'll end our reading there. And let's just bow briefly in a word of prayer. And as I am praying, can I encourage you to pray along and ask the Lord to give help in the understanding of his word and indeed the application of it to our hearts. Let us pray. Our gracious God and our Father in heaven, we want to thank thee for the means of technology that we have, whether people are listening to this message online or whether listening to it by means of a DVD or CD. Father, we want to praise thee and thank thee that we can come before thee and ask for thee to give help. Lord, we are told in thy word that the natural man understandeth not the things of God, for they are foolishness to him. And yet, Lord, we want to thank thee for God the Holy Spirit who indwells the believer enables us to see thee in thy word, to see thy beloved Son and the salvation that there is in him. And Father, I cry for the glory of thy name, for the setting apart of thee more and more in our hearts and lives. I ask thee, Lord, that you would be pleased to bless this evening. Bless thy word. Give me great help. Thank you, Lord, for 
uh, bringing things to my mind and helping me to understand things in the study in preparation for here. But Lord, I ask you now that you would be pleased to give me help. Lord, bring to my mind the things you'd have me to say. Lord, may this not simply be a formal time of bringing forth a number of points, but Lord, may it be a means of bringing forth thy message. What thou wouldst have to say, Father, thy word is living. I pray, Lord, that it would live in every heart. Change us, we pray. Make us to be what you want us to be. Help us, Lord, to know what it is to pray, to really pray, not simply to say a form of words and then be done with it, but, Lord, really to pray. Bring us into the school of Christ, we ask, and teach us, we pray. In Jesus' name we pray it. Amen. Amen. I have no doubt that if I was to bring before you today uh, children from a variety of different countries and you were to interview them and ask them what their experience at school was like, that they would be able to tell you different things. For example, if you were to interview a child from Russia, they would tell you that their school year always started on the one day, the 1st of September, known as Knowledge Day. Regardless of whether the 1st of September was a Saturday or another day in the weekend, or whether it was a holiday, their school year always started on the 1st of September. If you were to interview a child from South Korea, and you were to ask them about their experience at school, they would be able to tell you that not merely were they in school uh, to learn and to study and to listen to the teacher, but they were expected after school is finished to stay behind and tidy the classroom and help in whatever was needed. If you were to interview a child from France about their experience at school, they'd be able to tell you that they've got one of the shortest weeks compared certainly to Britain anyway, because they're only in school four days a week. And in fact, they get not merely half an hour for lunch, but they get two hours for lunch. And lunch is actually seen as part of the curriculum. You interview different children and different people and even different adults from their memories of school, and all of their experience will be slightly different. And certainly if I was to interview this evening and compare your interview with those of others, I have no doubt that your experience of school is different compared to the others, certainly in some ways, if not in many. I have no doubt that if I was to compare the interviews of yourself and other people, that the subjects that you appreciated would be different. The subjects that you hated would be different. And the subjects that you considered, looking back at your time at school, that you'd be able to say that the subjects that you needed were different. Some people may say that technology and design was a subject they really, really needed. Others will say English was a subject that they really, really needed. Others will say mathematics was a subject they really, really needed. But yet for others, they, those may be subjects they hated. For others, it may be subjects they appreciated. It is my desire to commence a new series this evening. And I want, as a result, you and I to go to school. And the subject that I want you and I to look at is one that I hope that you will appreciate and not hate. And the reason for that is because it is a subject that you and I, as God's children, need. It is a subject of prayer. And I know that for many believers, prayer is one of the most difficult, one of the most trying, one of the most frustrating things to do. And quite often you wonder, am I even doing it right I am praying and putting time and effort and energy in it. You begin to wonder, am I even doing it right? 
I don't begin to see the answers to prayer that other people seem to receive answers for. Am I doing it right? You see, the subject of prayer is needed because prayer is the part of every Christian's life. And I know that to be the case because you look here at Matthew chapter 6, whenever Jesus Christ is speaking here in the Sermon on the Mount, he is describing in this sermon what it is to be part of the kingdom of Christ, what it is to be part of the kingdom of God's. And what is it to be part of the kingdom of God? Not merely meekness, not merely poverty in spirit, and not merely mourning over your sin and turning and striving after righteousness, seen there in the Beatitudes in Matthew 5. But part of being in the kingdom of God is praying. For example, you look at Matthew chapter 6 and the verse 5, Christ says, And when thou prayest, he does not say, if thou ever decides to pray, no, but when thou prayest. You look now at verse 6, but thou, when thou prayest, or indeed in verse 7, but when ye pray, three times over, Christ expects those who are his children, those who are his disciples, to be people of prayer. Someone has said that the Lord does not have any dumb children in the sense that there are no children that cannot pray. Every one of his children are to be people of prayer. An illustration of this fact is seen in Acts chapter 9 with a man called Saul of Tarsus. In Acts chapter 9 we read about the testimony of this man and he was a very religious man. He was a man who was brought up in the form of the Pharisaic religion. He was a man who spent much of his time in public worship and in services where there would have been praise and there would have been prayer. But yet, whenever Saul of Tarsus met Christ in that road to Damascus, and whenever he then was led to a street called Straight, he was in a house, that the Lord spoke to a man called Ananias, and asked Ananias to go to speak to Saul of Tarsus. And Ananias was afraid and he was confused. And he began to say to the Lord, But Lord, this man Saul of Tarsus, I've heard about him. He's famous because he hates you and he hates your people and he hates Christ. And he's persecuting people who belong to Christ. That's why he's even come to Damascus. And the Lord turned around and said to Ananias, You go to the house that is on the street that is called Straight. Whenever you go to this particular house, you'll go in and you'll see Solitarius. And there in verse 11 of Acts 9, we're told that you will see that he is praying. What was it brought comfort to Ananias? That Solitarius was now a changed creature, that he was born again in the Spirit of God, that he was a child of God. It was this, that he was one who now prayed. If you now look at examples of men and women and even young people in Scripture, you now will see that they were people who prayed. For example, you think about the psalmist in Psalm 55, verse 17, he said, Evening and morning and at noon will I pray and cry aloud. It was his daily habit. You think about Daniel. You and I read in Daniel chapter 6 that he prayed three times. You see, the people of God are people that pray. And therefore I know that as we look at the subject of prayer, that it is a subject that I need to hear and I need to learn about. But it's also a subject that you need to learn about. Maybe it is even to remind yourself afresh of certain wonderful truths. Or indeed perhaps it's to teach you things that you've never known before regarding the word of God, regarding the subject of prayer. You see, the subject of prayer 
I hope that you will appreciate it because it is needed. Because prayer is a part of every Christian's life. One godly man has said that what a person is on their knees before the Lord is exactly what that person is. Nothing more and nothing less. See, prayer is vital. Prayer is important. It has been described as the very breath of the Christian. I trust that the subject of prayer, that you and I will appreciate it because it is needed. But I also trust that as we look at the subject of prayer from Matthew chapter 6, that you and I will appreciate the subject because of the one who teaches it. Not merely because it's needed, but because it's taught by Christ himself. You and I, whenever we think about our time at school, you know, there were good teachers and there were bad teachers. And there were those teachers who we would describe as good because they were the teachers who actually knew their subject and were not making mistakes left, right and centre. A good teacher was one who made the subject to be understandable. Just simple, relevant, clear, plain language. Able to relate it to you in everyday terms. A good teacher was one who actually completed the subject, not merely started it and never got to the end of it. Whenever you and I think about what a good teacher is in school, and you and I look at Christ, Christ is the perfect teacher. You see, in Luke chapter 11, we have a passage where Christ teaches the same prayer that he teaches here in Matthew chapter 6. And the context of Luke chapter 11 is that Christ has been praying in a certain place. In Luke chapter 11 and the verse 1 and verse 2, we read that one of the disciples then goes to Christ and says, Lord, teach us to pray. Not simply teach us how to pray. Lord, just teach us to pray. Teach us what it is to pray. And we read that Christ then, in response to that petition, that Christ teaches them here the Lord's Prayer. So you've seen Matthew chapter 6, and also seen in Luke chapter 11. See, Christ is the one who teaches us about prayer. And Christ is the perfect teacher because he is the one who knows the subject. He is God. And therefore he speaks as God. Thomas Watson, the Puritan, declared that as the moral law, that is the Ten Commandments, was written with the finger of God, so this prayer, this Lord's prayer, was dropped from the very lips of the Son of God. Coming from Christ, it's perfect. In Psalm 12, verse 6, we read regarding the Word of God, that the Word of God is a silver tried in a furnace, purified seven times. There's no mistake here. Christ knows a subject. Whenever he teaches us, he teaches us it, knowing the subject rightly and knowing it well. But Christ is also the perfect teacher because of how he is able to explain the subject. If you look at Matthew chapter 6 and you look down verses 9 through to 13 where we have the Lord's Prayer taught to us, this response that Christ gave to the disciple who came and asked and said, teach us to pray. Look and count how many big words there are in Matthew 9 through to 13. Kind and say how many there are. You'll not see many big complicated words. You look down through Matthew 6 verses 9 to 13 and see how many phrases of oratory and great words of eloquence there are. You'll not see any. Christ teaching the subject, not merely does he know it, but he teaches it in a simple, plain 
manner so that even young people are able to understand that even young children say Christ is the perfect teacher he knows a subject he explains his subject in an understandable way but also he completes the subject he completes it because in Luke chapter 11 whenever Jesus Christ responded to the request Lord teaches to pray Christ turned around and said in Luke chapter 11 verse 2 when ye pray say or indeed if you look here at Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9 which is what I want to focus on Christ never he began his teaching in prayer he said in verse 9 after this manner or indeed after this fashion and you bring the two accounts together and you and I see here that Christ is giving a pattern prayer Thomas Watson the Puritan turned around and said that as God prescribed Moses a pattern of the tabernacle a pattern that was to be followed whenever Moses was building the tabernacle so Christ here is giving us a pattern that you and I are to follow it is the perfect prayer now that does not mean that we need to utter the exact words because Christ does not say after these words pray ye Christ says after this manner that is after this fashion that is in a way that is agreeable to what I'm teaching you that's how you're to pray whenever you and I look at this petition or indeed this pattern in verses 9 to 13 of Matthew 6 you and I will see that it is comprehensive you look at this prayer in your own time after this time of Bible study and God willing as you and I will look at it in the incoming weeks and you will see that there is no desire there is no petition there's nothing that is ever taught in scripture regarding prayer that is not found here in essence in Christ's perfect pattern prayer there's nothing left out there's nothing needs to be added to it everything is included just like the Ten Commandments, the moral law in Exodus chapter 20 are a summary of every command God will ever give in Scripture. So here the Lord's Prayer here in Matthew 6, 9 to 13 contains, in essence, every aspect of Christ's teaching and prayer. It is the perfect prayer. Just like you can take a map and there you will have a map of the world and you'll have all the countries and you can get that onto an A4 page. And you'll have such a huge subject in such a short space. So, here in Matthew chapter 6, 9 to 13, you have every basic teaching of prayer found. Someone has rightly said that the Lord's prayer is like a bar of gold. It may be small in size, but it contains a mass of wealth. A mass of wealth. This evening, you and I have seen that prayer is part of every Christian's life. Prayer is a subject that you and I need to be taught in. You and I are just like the disciple there in Luke 11. And we need to say, Lord, teach us to pray. Prayer is a subject that we need to be taught in. But praise God, prayer is a subject we can be taught in because Christ is able. He is the perfect teacher. But I wonder this evening... Is prayer a subject that we will be taught in? Will we take time to listen to the messages week after week? Will we take time to meditate over what Christ is teaching us? Not what a man is teaching us, but what Christ is teaching us. And will we put it into practice? Will we come more and more than what we are? People of prayer. 
Will we be like that, disciple in Luke 11? Will we feel our need? And will we pray, Lord, teach us to pray? It's interesting that the disciple who felt his need, the response to that was he actually prayed. He said, Lord, teach to pray, but yet in the petition he was actually praying. And if you want to be taught in prayer, then I encourage you, come this evening, come week by week into the school of Christ. And pray, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach me to pray. Bring me into the master class, Lord. Bring me into your school and teach me to pray. While in secular schools, people may be too old to go to a nursery, to a primary school or a secondary school, yet nobody's too old to go to the school of Christ. Nobody's too young, nobody's too old. But I wonder, will you come? Will you enter the master class? Will you enter the school of Christ? Tonight I simply want to look at Christ's school of prayer. And I want to look at the number of introductory lessons that he gives to us. The first lesson that you and I learn regarding prayer is this. Prayer is about exalting God. This is seen by the context of the prayer Christ teaches if you look at me, please, at verse 5, whenever Christ commences teaching in prayer, we read, And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen as men. Verily, or indeed truly, or certainly, or surely, I say unto you, they have their rewards. Notice with me, that prayer is about exalting God. Christ speaks here in verse 5 about hypocrites. And they go to pray, as we read there, that they may be seen of men. Prayer to them is not about exalting God. It's not about praising God, honoring God, and seeking God's wills done in their life and hearts. No, prayer is that they will get praise of men, is that they may be seen of men. I am told that according to the Pharisaic law, that those who were Pharisees would have prayed at certain times of the day, certain hours of the day. And what they would have done was that they would have made sure they were not in their house at those certain times. If it was at all possible, they would have went out to the busiest of the streets, there in the marketplace, there in the center of the town, so that whenever the clock struck on that certain hour that they were to pray, they got down in the center of the street. And there before all men, men would see that there they were praying, that they were not ashamed to be praying. And they would go along and say, oh, look how holy that man is. Look how dedicated that man is. They did it to be seen of men. But yet Christ says, that's not what prayer is about. It's not to be seen of men. In verse 6 he says, but thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. The idea of a small space, but there's not really room for anybody else. Enter into a closet. Also, and when thou hast shut thy door, so no one sees you there. Christ says, pray to thy Father which is in secret. And thy Father which saith in secret shall reward thee openly. And the lesson here is very simple. Prayer is not about exalting ourselves. It is about exalting God. Now I want to just highlight a number of practical points here. Christ is not forbidding public prayer. Somebody could run and say, well here, where do you enter into your closet? If we are to shut the doors and nobody else sees, then you and I are not to pray in public. 
But Christ here is not forbidding public prayer. He's speaking here about individual prayer. That's why he says in verse 6, but thou. You know, the term thou, thee, and thy, that refers to a singular person. The terms you, ye, and you refer to a plurality of persons. Christ is speaking to an individual. He says, but thou, when thou prayest. Speaking about an individual in terms of private prayer. The Bible makes it very clear that Christ does not forbid public prayer. First Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 8. First Corinthians chapter 14, verse 15. And the verses that follow, they all speak about the church meeting together for public prayer. Or indeed, if you want to look at the book of Acts, and chapter 2 and verse 42, we read about the 3,000 people who were added to the church, those who were saved, those who were baptized. We read that they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in prayers. They met together to pray publicly. And that was commended. In Acts chapter 4, verse 31, whenever persecution came upon the church, we met that they gathered together to pray. In Acts chapter 12, we read of a persecution continuing, and the apostle Peter was taken, put in prison, and he was going to be killed by the king. And yet we read that the people of God gathered together in a house to pray. Public prayer. In fact, we read that many gathered together. What a glorious thing. The more people to gather together to pray, the most... The, the, the better, the more wonderful it is. Christ is not forbidding public prayer here. I want to make that clear. I also want to make clear here that Christ is not forbidding private prayer being visible. Whenever Christ talks about going into your closet, whenever Christ talks about shutting the door, whenever Christ talks about praying in secret, perhaps even praying quietly to the Lord, he's not teaching that you cannot pray privately, but yet do it in a visible manner. Take, for example, the giving of thanks to God for the food that he's given you. You go throughout the gospel records and you will see again and again Christ giving thanks to God for the food that there has been. And Christ gave thanks visibly. It was a private individual prayer to God, but he gave it visibly so that others could see him giving thanks to God. Not so that Christ would get the praise of men, but that God would receive the praise and God would receive the honor. Because remember, the first lesson is this prayer is about exalting God's. In Acts chapter 27, verse 35, we read about Paul being on a ship in the middle of a storm. We read there that he gave thanks to God in the presence of all the soldiers and all the sailors. He was not afraid, even in private prayer, to do so visibly. Because remember, prayer is about exalting God. Men, women, and young people, to refrain to give thanks to God for food, it's wrong, it's sinful. To feel to thank God for what he's given you. And to refrain to give thanks to God for the good that he's given you, visibly, whether nobody else is present, or whether there's a hundred people present in a restaurant, that is also wrong. You think about the atheist. He doesn't want to thank God, even though he knows there is a God, and he's deceiving himself. Yet he doesn't want to thank God for the food that he's been given, and so he doesn't pray. And if you and I turn around and say, you know what, well, I'll just thank God in my heart and not let anybody else see that I'm praying, you're making yourself look like an atheist. And not merely is that being deceptive, but it's just wrong. Christ never gave thanks to God for what God had given. He gave it visibly. Whenever Daniel, whenever he was facing the potential persecution being thrown to the lion's den, in Daniel chapter 6 we read 
that he went and as he did aforetime to give thanks to God, to exalt God, not to be seen of men, but to thank God, he opened up the windows. If you and I were in Daniel's day, I have no doubt that there would be many people turning around and saying to Daniel, you know, Daniel, the, the law is out, the command from the government's out, don't you be meeting for prayer or deed, don't you be doing it visibly because you're going to get persecuted, Daniel, you're going to get hurt, Daniel. And if you're going to do it, make sure your windows are closed, nobody sees you. Daniel opened up the windows and he got down on his knees and he gave thanks to God in Daniel chapter 6 verse 10. Daniel's not violating the command of Christ here in Matthew 6. He's honoring it because his prayer is to exalt God, is to give thanks to God. What is prayer about? The first lesson is prayer is about exalting God. That's seen by the context of the prayer that Christ teaches us. But it's also seen, secondly, by the content. Not merely the context, but the content of the prayer Christ teaches us. You look at me in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. Christ says, After this manner, therefore pray ye, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. There are six petitions here. There are six requests. But notice with me, the first three are all about God. They're all about exalting God. You see, before Christ ever teaches you and I to pray about our needs, our daily bread. To pray, to pray to God and to cry to God about our sins. The cry to God about our desires. You and I are first taught in prayer to exalt God's, to lift God up. Because prayer is about exalting God. Prayer is about God's honor, His name being hallowed. Prayer is about God's will and God's kingdom. God is to be the first focus of our prayers. Are we not told in 1 Corinthians 10 verse 31 that we're to do all to the glory of God? We're not later told even in Matthew chapter 6 that we are to seek first the kingdom of God's and regarding our daily needs, our clothing and our food, well all those other things will be added on to you as you need them, but seek first the kingdom of God's. I wonder this evening whenever it comes to your prayers and I say the same, whenever it comes to my prayers, you know, true prayers about exalting God. I wonder, are we very quick to jump in and whenever we pray, it's just all about our needs and about our sins and about our desires. That's the thing that's uppermost in our thoughts. It's not God. Are we those who are regularly praying for our honor and our little kingdom and our will? Or are we those that pray, Lord, thy name be honored? Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. You see, the first lesson about prayer is that prayer is about exalting God. It adores God. It praises God. You look at Matthew 6, 9 to 13, it begins with praising God. Hallowed be thy name. It ends with praising God because thine is the power and the kingdom and the glory forever. Glorifies God and it thanks God. Prayer is about exalting God. That's the first lesson. 
The second lesson that Christ gives us in his school of prayer is that prayer is about trusting God. You look at me please now at verses 7 to 8, having looked briefly at verses 5 to 6. Verse 7, Christ says, But when ye pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do. For they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not ye therefore like unto them. For your Father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask him. While Christ condemns in verse 5 selfish praying, Christ now condemns slot machine praying in verses 7 to 8. You know what a slot machine is, I'm sure. Hopefully not by experience, but even by observation. The slot machine is where you put money in, and more money in, and often more money in, in the hope that you're going to get something out of it. Whenever it came to the heathen world of Christ's day, and indeed our day as well, it was believed in Christ's day that the more a person repeated a certain phrase, or the more they repeated a certain prayer, that the more favor they would earn before their particular deity, their false god. And the more that false god was likely to hear them and to answer their petition. A perfect example of this is seen in 1 Kings chapter 18. If you want to turn to me there, please. 1 Kings chapter 18. Keeping your fingers still in Matthew 6. We're coming back to it. 1 Kings chapter 18. The context here is that Elijah has challenged 850 prophets and priests of Baal to a contest. A very simple contest which would determine who was the true God, the Lord Jehovah or Baal. Verse 26, you and I read about the prophets. There were to be two altars. One altar for the prophets of Baal, and they were to get a bullock and lay it upon and cry to Baal to come and send the fire. And then Elijah would do the same on the other altar. Verse 26, we read today, the prophets of Baal took the bullock which was given them, and they dressed it, and called on the name of Baal from morning even until noon, saying, O Baal, hear us. From morning to noon, for hours and hours, they were praying the same thing. Oh, Beal, hear us. Oh, Beal, hear us. Oh, Beal, hear us. No doubt, perhaps, trying to work up some emotion, shouting it, saying it quietly, saying it solemnly. But, oh, Beal, hear us. Same thing, again and again and again. But what do we read in verse 26? But there was no voice, nor any that answered. And it came to pass at noon, Elijah mocked them. And said, cry aloud, for he is a god. Either he is talking, or he is pursuing, or he is in a journey, or peradventure he sleepeth and must be awake. Verse 28, and they cried aloud. You see, according to the prophets of Baal, it was up to them to get the attention of Baal. It was up to them to wake Baal up, as it were. To get his attention. It was up to them to inform Baal of the situation. Because Baal really had no interest in them. They had to do all the informing. And it was up to them to earn favor before Baal. To keep repeating the same mantra, the same phrase, the same terminology. And it was by their works and by their efforts that they would earn the favor of Baal. The more they cried, the louder they cried, the more Baal was likely to answer them. In fact, <coughs> the Hebrew term for hear us is also the same for answer us. Demanding the bill. Answer us. Answer us. Answer us. You and I see similar pagan practices today. Sadly, if you look at the Roman Catholic Church, 
and what it teaches to its followers and adherents. But there to say, so many Hail Marys. There were the rosary beads. There to go through the rosary beads so many times. So many Our Fathers. Just keep repeating the same thing, the same phrase, the same prayer. Just keep going through it again and again. Whenever you go through the rosary beat 10 times, 50 times, 100 times, whatever it is, then you're going to earn the favor of God. Then you're going to receive the blessing of God. Then you're going to receive the forgiveness of God. But in whether it be with the rosary bead or whether it be here with the prophets of Baal in 1 Kings chapter 18, the emphasis is put on the person praying. On the number of times that they pray that they themselves by their own works must earn the favor of God. But what does Christ teach us? Verse 7 of Matthew 6. When ye pray, use not vain repetitions. Empty that repetitions. As the heathen do. For they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not ye therefore like unto them. For your father, your father, your father knoweth what things you have need of before ye ask him. What is prayer? Prayer is about exalting God, but prayer is about trusting God. Prayer is trusting that God loves you. He is your Father, because as you put your faith and trust in Christ, that that moment that you were saved, you were united to Christ. And Christ being the child, the Son of God, you now became a child of God. Joined heirs with Christ. Oh, he didn't become God as Christ is. He's the only one true, only begotten Son of God. But you became united to him and you became a child of God's. And you see, that means that God loves you. Because Christ has washed away your sins with the blood that he shed. And he's covered you with his own robe of righteousness, making you perfect in the Father's sight. You see, you don't need to earn favor with God. God loves you already. Prayer is trusting God loves you because of Christ. Prayer is trusting that God hears you because Christ now, as your elder brother, as the term is used in Scripture, Christ is praying for you. And Christ takes your prayers and Christ makes them perfect, presents them as perfect before the Father. So prayer is trusting God loves you because of Christ. Prayer is trusting God hears you because of Christ. But prayer is also trusting that God answers you and supplies your every need. Because Christ, whenever he died on the cross, he purchased not merely forgiveness, but every spiritual blessing in heavenly places, every need that you will ever have, physically or spiritually, Christ provided for your need. Men and women, prayer is not about trying to earn favor with God. It is trusting in the favor God already has for you in Christ. Does this mean that you should not pray to God for something more than once? Of course not. Does it mean you cannot repeat the same words in prayer? Of course not. Christ is not saying, be not ye therefore like unto them whenever it comes to repetitions. No, it says, be not like unto them when it comes to being empty repetitions. For example, in verse 11, Christ will teach us to pray, give us this day our daily bread. That's a prayer that's been repeated every day. Give us this day our daily bread. Christ is not saying you cannot repeat the same things in prayer. There's nothing wrong with repeating a prayer. In fact, sometimes there's everything right in repeating a prayer for the exaltation of God's. Whenever Christ wanted to exalt his Father to fulfill his Father's will, Christ was in Gethsemane. And we read that as he prayed to his Father, he repeated the same words again and again. It was not empty repetition, though Christ was earnest, wanting God the Father to be exalted. Whenever Paul wanted 
to exalt God and for God's will to be fulfilled in his life and the service that he had for God to do, that Paul prayed three times that the thorn of the flesh would be removed. In Luke chapter 11, verses 5 to 8, just after Christ gives the teaching on the Lord's Prayer, Christ then applies and he likens it to a man going to a friend. A man wants to fulfill the commission God has given him to be hospitable to somebody that comes to his house. Someone has come to the man's house and he doesn't have any bread. And he goes to a friend and he knocks at the friend's door. And it's midnight and the friend's sleeping in his bed. And the man is to knock. And Christ says, because he knocks and knocks and knocks and keeps asking, he is repeating the same thing. But eventually the friend will come and give him what he needs. And Christ likens that to prayer to God. Christ then summarized the same teaching in Luke 11. And he says, ask and it shall be given you. And he goes on, says, ask and keep asking. Seek and keep seeking. Knock and keep knocking. Men, women, young people, do you ever fall into the trap thinking that in order for God to answer your prayer, that you must depend upon yourself? The more time you spend in prayer, the more God's going to be pleased with you. The more words that you say in prayer, the more God's going to be pleased with you. The more effort you make in prayer, the louder you shout, the more God's going to be pleased with you. He's going to answer your prayer. And that's not prayer. Prayer is about trusting God. Trusting that God loves you because of Christ. He, Christ, loved you and died for you. Paid the debt for your sins. And as you came to him in faith and repentance, he covered you with his robe of righteousness. Prayer is trusting God loves you because of Christ. Prayer is trusting God hears you because of Christ. Christ is praying for you this very moment. And Christ will answer you because of Christ. See, prayer is about trusting God because of Christ. What is your need tonight? What's the longing of your heart tonight? Maybe it's to be wise. Maybe it's to have a greater love for God. Maybe it is you have a joy in God, a peace in God regarding some difficult situation that you're in. Maybe it is strength to serve God. Maybe it is opportunity to serve God. Maybe it's simply help in serving God. To speak of Christ to some loved one about Christ's salvation. Be comforted tonight. Christ knows your need. God your Father, he is your Father. He knows your need. You don't need to try and inform him about every situation. He knows it all. Whenever you tell your situation before God, it's for your own benefit, not his. God has purchased everything that you need because Christ has purchased for it at Calvary. And God has promised to meet your every need, physically, spiritually. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 19, the Apostle Paul said, My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus, shall supply all your need according to the riches that he has in Christ Jesus. Christ dying the cross, he's purchased a, a huge treasure trove of riches available for you. Luke chapter 11. Christ, after speaking about the subject of prayer and giving his teaching on the Lord's Prayer and giving the illustration about the friend going and knocking and after saying about asking and keep asking, Christ turned around and says in verses 11 to 13 in Luke 11, if a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he shall ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If ye then, being even though how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more 
shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him. Prayer is about exalting God. Prayer is about trusting God. He loves you, he hears you, and he'll answer you because of Christ. Notice with me thirdly, prayer is about petitioning God. If you look with me, please, at Luke 11. Luke chapter 11. I know I've referred to it, but just look to it for now. And we read in verse 1, And it came to pass that as he that is Christ was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. Matthew Henry, the famous commentator, the 17th century preacher, is referred to in Matthew Henry's commentary. A man called Dr. Lightfoot. And according to Dr. Lightfoot, his understanding of the days in which Christ was living here and the disciples were living, that whenever Jews were being brought up and being taught how to pray, that the Jewish people, whenever they prayed, they often would have just praised God and adored God, which is right and good, and thanked God for all the goodness that God had given them, which is right and good. But they rarely ever asked God for anything. And Dr. Lightfoot, as Matthew Henry quotes, goes on to say that whenever the disciples, having brought in up as Jews within the Jewish nation, heard John the Baptist, a prophet and a servant of God who knew God, and heard how he had prayed, and how he had taught his disciples what prayer was all about, and whenever the disciples of Christ saw how Christ prayed, they knew there was something different. And so they go to Christ and say, Lord, teach us to pray. And yet, what does Christ teach them? Whether you look at Luke chapter 11, verses 2 to 4, or whether you look at Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 to 13, you and I will see that it is a prayer filled with petitions. Six petitions. Hallowed be thy name, Lord. Thy kingdom come, Lord. Thy will be done, Lord. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts and our sins. Lead us not into temptation. It is a prayer filled with petitions. Because men and women understand this. Prayer is about exalting God's, praising God, adoring God, thanking God. But prayer is chiefly about petitioning God's. Asking God for his name to be hallowed and his kingdom to come and his will to be done and him to give you what you need so that you can exalt him practically in your life. Prayer is about petitioning God that you may then exalt God or that God may be exalted in this world. What is prayer? Prayer is about petitioning God. In Mark chapter 10, a blind man comes to the Lord Jesus Christ. In verse 51, Christ asks him this question. What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? See there the heart of Christ. He wants to know what he can do for this man. He wants to hear his request. He wants to hear his petition. The man requested a sight, a sight that would enable him to see Christ. The Lord Jesus answered that petition. Men and women and young people, you and I can have desires, but let me ask you, do we ever bring those desires before the Lord? Let me ask you tonight, you may want to see Christ. You may want to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. You may want to be wise. You may want to be a godly example before your friends, before your neighbors, before your family. You may want to be these things. You may want to be a man or a woman of prayer. 
But just like there's type in Luke 11, chapter 1, verse 1, we need to come to Christ. And we need to ask him. We need to petition him. His prayers are by petitioning God. James chapter 4, verse 2, we read, You have not because you ask not. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, we're told by the Apostle Paul, we're exhorted by the Apostle, be careful for nothing. Literally, be full of care. Be full of worry about nothing. No thing. But in everything by prayer. and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known unto God. What is prayer? Prayer is about exalting God. Prayer is about trusting God. Prayer is about petitioning God. God. There's more I wanted to say this evening, but I will finish there for now. And by God's grace, finish the introduction next week, and perhaps get into the first petition. But let me just leave with this. Words of comfort and encouragement from what we've seen. If prayer is about exalting God, that means that God is worthy of being exalted. That means that God is greater than everyone and everything else. I wonder, speaking to myself, but also speaking to you, whenever we get free time, do we spend time to learn more of this God? More of him who's greater than everything else. The one who alone can satisfy our very souls. We spend time knowing him that we may love him all the more. If prayer is about trusting God, then that means that God's able to be trusted. He's trustworthy. Some people in life can let you down, but God will never let you down. You can trust him. If prayer is about petitioning God, that means that God is willing to meet your needs. Just like a loving father on this earth, if a son asked him for a stone, he would not give his son, or asked for bread, he would not give his son a stone. Or if he asked for an egg, he would not give his son a scorpion. God the Father wants you to come to him and ask. Christ lovingly commanded, ask, ask, and keep asking. Your heavenly Father loves you. He'll give you every good thing. Every good thing. Only you'll ask. Everything that will draw you closer to him. Everything that will make you useful for him. I wonder, will you be a person of prayer? Will you be one who says, Lord, I need to know this subject of prayer. I want to enter into your school. Lord, teach me to pray. Not simply how to pray, but simply to pray. I want to exalt you. I want to honor you. I want to live for you. Will you enter the school of prayer, Christ's school, and learn how to pray? We'll just bow in now. Our Heavenly Father... I want to thank thee for thy precious word to my heart. I ask thee, Lord, that you'll take thy word, write it upon each one who has heard it. And Father, may the words, may they encourage us. Christ wants to teach us to pray. Father, may they enlighten us. If there's errors in our lives, that we'll see them. And Lord, that we'll be led in the right way of how to pray. Lord, make us to be useful, we ask. And give us even a desire now Oh, Lord, if we're not able to now in a day or two to spend a season in prayer, crying for thee that thy name will be glorified, thy kingdom will come, and thy will will be done. And we'll have all our needs and all that we 
need to be provided with that these things can come to pass. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen.